The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. But Jesus said what? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. You have to do. You have to do. Now, you see, this is the misconception of grace. The misconception of grace in the kingdom of God is they teach you, those who teach on grace, they say, oh, in the dispensation of grace, you don't have to do anything. That's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of the devil. Even salvation, you have to do something. You have to believe before you can be saved. Believing is doing. Are you following what I'm saying? Believing is doing. If you don't believe, you cannot be saved. So if somebody tells you, oh, uh, uh, because we're in the dispensation of grace, you don't have to do anything, that is a lie. Let's give Jesus some praise and let's please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let's please be seated. Oh my. All right. Wow, it feels strange to, to be in a Thursday service. Hallelujah. I haven't been in a Thursday service now for nearly two months. Wow, it's, um, we thank God for giving us the opportunity to be here. I want to thank God for the life of my wife who's been holding the fort for all these months. Uh, she didn't know that God was preparing her. Um, every time I ask her to preach, she would say, no, 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 no. So the only way I could get her to preach is for me not to come to church. <laughs> Did you get it now? That was the only way. Please work on my sound for me, please. The only way I could get her to preach is for me not to come to church because if I come to church... She'll say, ah, you have to preach, you know, you have to preach. But thank God she, she, she took upon the challenge and uh, she delivered powerfully. Amen. And uh, through those many services she was teaching, one of the messages she taught on the garment of praise was what she taught in Fountain of Life. So you see how God works. That's why every time you are given an opportunity to serve, uh, you are not doing it for anyone. It's for you. Because you might not know the day your visitation will come. The same stone, there's a she somewhere. The same stone that David used to to be killing the bears and the lions was the same stone he used to kill Goliath. Same stone. Same stone. You know, when we were in Fountain of Life uh, Church, they sang a certain song. Shine, I think it was Shine, Jesus, Shine. Was it that one? And there's a place where, no, no, no. It's my God is awesome, right? Is that one? 
It says, it keeps me in the valleys, hides me from the rain. Keeps me in the valleys, hides me from the rain. Just that phrase, I mean, really got me. It ministered so powerfully to me that, you see, sometimes you might think that God is hiding you. But it's hiding you and protecting you from the rain. He keeps you in the valley. And you think sometimes, why am I in the valley? Why, why, why? I want to be on the mountain. I want everybody to see me. But he's actually protecting you from the rain. The rain there represents the vicissitudes of life. Are you following me? So uh, we thank God for uh, what he's doing and what he's done. And to him alone be all the glory. Amen. Amen. So God is taking us far. Uh, God is taking us somewhere where no eye have seen, no ear have heard what God has in store for us. So every time you're asked to serve in the house of the Lord, don't think you're doing someone a favor. You're doing yourself a favor. Amen. 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 That's why in this church, we don't force people to come to church. You know, we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart for you to know that as you come, God will bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I want to teach a two-part message. I believe it's very powerful. It will really bless you. So it's a message God gave me whilst we were, I think we were in Nigeria, and I believe that it will really, really bless you. It's a two-part, I'll do part one today. And next week, Thursday, we're not having service because there is election. Remember, next week, Thursday, there is election here, so there'll be no service. But the week after, I'll finish it off in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn with me, please, in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 54 to 56. Luke chapter 9, verse 54 to 56. I read, the Bible says, when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? even as Elias or Elijah did. But he turned and rebuked them. This is Jesus. He turned and rebuked them and said, ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. I want you to underline that. Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. Verse 56, it says, for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, and they went to another village. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I want to teach, like I've said on the message I have titled, Misconceptions of Grace. Or better still, the Misconceptions of Grace the misconceptions of grace. When we talk about 
misconceptions, it means there is a concept that has been misconstrued. It means there is a concept that has been misconstrued. And one of the concepts in this present day that has been misunderstood or misapplied is the message of grace. The message of grace. Please understand that grace is not a subject, but grace is a person. Grace is not a subject, but grace is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. The scripture we read in the book of Luke chapter 9, let's go and look at emphasis from verse 49. From verse 49, the Bible says, and when John, and John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. Now, I want you to understand that at every dispensation, God in his infinite wisdom uses one person to direct the course of history. So if I mention a few names, you will be able to say that this person was influential at a certain time of history. And so Jesus, remember when he came here on earth, his purpose was to redeem mankind. And when he came, he came solely to do that. And remember, before Jesus came, John the Baptist was the most popular. And when everybody realized Jesus is now here, everybody followed Jesus. And obviously at this time, John the Baptist has been beheaded. He has been killed. So Jesus is the one on the scene. And Jesus was declaring the intentions of God to the whole world. And so his disciples knew very well to an extent that this is God in the flesh with us. To an extent. Because at some points they doubted him. They doubted that he was truly the son of God. So at this point they were going and seeing the miracles in the ministry of Jesus. So, saying all kinds of signs, wonders. And one day they saw that someone was casting out devils in the name of Jesus who was not part of them. Are you following me? He was casting out devils in the name of Jesus but he was not part of them. So when the disciples saw this person, they came to Jesus quickly and said, Jesus, we have seen someone casting out devils in your name. And the first question they ask is, should we stop this person from casting out demons in your name because he doesn't follow us? And look at Jesus' response, verse 50. The Bible says, Then Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. Are you following the concept? 
forbid him not because he that is not against us is for us. So that means what we have to understand is that uh, if someone is not against us, he is with us. You can't take a middle line. You are either with or against. That's why I always say that there is no point being in this church if you are not with the vision of the church. Are you following me? If you don't pursue wholeheartedly the vision of this ministry, there is no point to be here. You are either with or against. Very important. Verse 51, the Bible says, that, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. I want you to notice what's happening here. Something very interesting is happening. Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem because that's where he was going to die. That's where he was going to be crucified. So at this point, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, the next thing that happens is very important, very critical. Verse 52, the Bible says that before he was going to go to Jerusalem, he, he sent messengers ahead of himself. He sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. So now the concept here is also, it happens in our present day world. When a president is going to visit a certain nation, he sends a, what we call a recce team ahead of him. A team that goes ahead to go and prepare the ground to make sure security is intact and everything is in place before he arrives. For instance, if the U.S. president is going to come to this country, he sends a delegation to come probably a month to come and make sure all the routes he's going to uh, go through have been, have been are cleared, everything, security, they check everything. They check everything to make sure that everything is in place before he comes. That's the same thing that's happening here. Because Jesus is about to go to Jerusalem, so they have to prepare before he gets there. Now notice carefully what happened. Verse 53, the Bible says that, and they did not receive him because his face was set as though he would go through to Jerusalem. Now, so he's preparing to go to Jerusalem and the people decided not to receive him. Are you following this? So he, his team have gone ahead of him to prepare, but the people in Jerusalem were not ready to receive him. What's the reason? We'll see very shortly. Verse 54 the Bible says that, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, what did they see? The people not receiving Jesus, the people rejecting Jesus. Look at the next thing. Now, this is what happens in the modern day church. When we are going to do something and it doesn't happen, notice our prayer request. Sometimes in the, in the church, we are praying, Jesus, kill, 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 kill. But Jesus doesn't kill. The most intense prayer meetings 
are the prayer meetings where they are praying for someone to die. Die by fire, die by fire, die by fire. Devil, die by fire. No, no, it's wrong prayer. Devil doesn't die by fire. If he would have died by fire, God would have killed him by fire long ago. God sent him here on earth for you, for a purpose. Die by fire. My enemy, die by fire. No, he will not die. Have you noticed that those that you pray should die, they actually live long. Have you observed? You pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, kill that boss. No, God is using that boss to take out some things out of you. Some of you are praying, kill my husband. No, he's not dying now. He's not going to die now. Kill my wife. She's a witch. No, she's not a witch. She will not die now. He said, oh, she nags me. She's nagging you to take out some things out of you. Are you following what I'm saying? So the Bible says that when James and John, oh, this is so powerful. I really don't have the time to tell you who James is and who John is. John is the, is the one who teaches the gospel of love. Are you following what I'm saying? John, check the Bible. John is the one whom Jesus loved. So John is the one who taught on love more than anyone else. So how can the one who teaches love say, shall we call fire to kill these people who have rejected you? Can you see that? This is someone who is a propagator of love. And he's asking that Jesus, shall we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them like Elijah did? Because they rejected Jesus. And look at the next verse, verse 55. Jesus said, and when, but he turned and rebuked them. You see, Jesus is not in a lot of churches today. I'm telling you. 99.9% churches, Jesus is not there. Could be including this one. Yeah. Because sometimes our prayer topics are very dangerous. If Jesus is in most of our churches, he will rebuke many of us. What we preach, what we say, how we say it, we will be rebuked many times. The Bible says that, and Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. In other words, you don't understand who you are. You are following me, but you don't know who you are. You, You are preaching grace, but you have a misconception of this grace. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. You are not after the spirit of Elijah. The spirit of Elijah, yes, will call fire. Die now and people will die. That's a different dispensation. But now we are in a different dispensation. You see, if you don't know who you are, you make the wrong mistakes. 
One of the challenges we have in this modern day is the challenge of identity. Many don't know who they are. The devil's number one attack is identity, is to attack your identity, to question who you are. Did God really say? Jesus said, hey guys, you want to call fire like Elijah? You don't know who you are. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. I'm also guilty of this. Sometimes I've prayed, Father, kill my enemies. Yeah. Sometimes you want to see your enemies suffer. Sometimes you really want to see them suffer. What they put you through, sometimes you want to see them suffer. But it takes grace for you to be in a position of power and to see your enemy and tell your enemy you meant it for evil, but God turned it around for my good. The misconceptions of grace. There's a lot of misconception in the church today. Many of us have no idea what the church represents. The church is full of human traditions. Jesus said, your traditions have made the word of God of null effect. That should tell you how powerful traditions are. That's why I don't impose my personal relationship with Jesus Christ onto my wife or even onto the pastors of this church. My strength may be I wake up early and I pray. My strength may be I pray throughout the day. Now, I cannot impose it upon all my pastors and say, everyone have to wake up at 4 a.m. and pray. That might not be their strength. Jesus' strength was to pray all night. His disciples' weakness were to sleep all night. (laughs) Peter, James, and John were there. He said, could you not watch with me for an hour? They were sleeping. But he did not make it a law that you have to do what I do. Are you following what I'm saying? My wife's strength is she is a devotional person. Honestly, I can never go through 30 days of devotion. That's me. If you give me a devotion for one month, I'll do one, two, three days. Fourth day, I'm nowhere to be found. That's not my strength. Are you following what I'm saying? What are my strength? My strength is I can pray throughout the whole day, nonstop. That's my strength. My strength is every few minutes I can pray. Every few hours I can be praying. I can pray throughout the whole day, nonstop. Whilst I'm working, I'm praying. Whilst I'm, I'm, I'm doing something, I'm praying. Are you following what I'm saying? Those are my strengths. We all have weaknesses and strength now. You cannot impose your strength as a way of life on people. So Jesus turned and rebuked them and Jesus said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. In other words, you are of a different spirit. You are not of the spirit that calls fire and kills people.
I love verse 56. Verse 56 is vital. He said, for the son of man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save them, and they went to another village. Now, all the places and churches where we are praying, kill them, kill my enemy, kill my enemy. Jesus is not in that prayer. How many of you know, remember Stephen, who was stoned to death? Do you know who authorized his stoning to death? Paul. Paul. The great apostle Paul. And Paul was one of the people who were stoning him to death. But what did the Bible say? The Bible said, and Stephen looked into heaven and said, Father, forgive them their sins. He said, I see Jesus seated on the right hand side of God. And their anger, their rage was even worse. And they stoned him to death. Stephen could have prayed, Father, kill them. And he would have killed Paul. And if Paul was killed, we would not have had access to the revelation and the mysteries of the gospel of grace. So the person you are praying today that God should kill probably one day might deliver your children's children's children. Be careful how you pray. So a quick question we want to ask is what is grace? What is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. Number one, grace is God's unmerited favor. What is grace? Number two, grace is God's riches towards us at Christ's expense. He died on the cross for us. That's grace. Number three, grace is God's undeserved mercy and kindness towards the worst sinner. <laughs> That's what Paul said. Paul said, of whom I am the worst sinner, but his grace still found him. Grace, write this down, this is important. Grace is not exclusive to Christians. Grace is not exclusive to Christians, but available to all humanity. In other words, grace is available to the Muslim, the Jew, the Buddhist, and everyone. Grace is not exclusive to Christians. We don't have an exclusive right on grace. So quickly, let's go and look at the different dispensations that we have gone through because if we don't understand the dispensations, then we will not understand this message in detail. Amen? There are seven dispensations. Seven dispensations. Quickly before we go through the dispensations, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, and then let's look at these seven dispensations. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, I read, the Bible says that God at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Did you see that? Verse 2. He says, 
But, <clears throat> excuse me. But in these last days, he has spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So we are living in a very important dispensation, and that dispensation is being Christ speaking to us. Are you following me? So, quickly, what are the seven dispensations? Number one, there was a dispensation of innocence. The dispensation of innocence. The dispensation of innocence is when men committed sin and their sins were not judged or attributed to their account. That's a dispensation of innocence. Number two is the dispensation of conscience. Dispensation of conscience. It's a lot. So I'll run through this quickly and then um, we can go into the main message. Number three is the dispensation of human government. The dispensation of human government. Number four is the dispensation of promise. The dispensation of promise. Number five is the dispensation of law. Number five is the dispensation of law. Number six is the dispensation of grace. Dispensation of grace. And that's the dispensation we are in right now. And number seven is the dispensation of the kingdom. The dispensation of the kingdom. When Jesus comes then we'll enter into that dispensation of the kingdom. That's when he'll have his rule, the second coming of Christ. Are you following me? Now, please write this down. Grace empowers us to become all that God has destined us to become. But grace only works for us when we acknowledge it. Grace only works for us when we acknowledge it. Now, I'm going to show you a quick reference and then we'll rush through that quickly and move to the next stage. Why am I saying this? Because, you see, you can be at the place of grace and not experience grace. You see, for instance, in this place, there are radioactive waves actively in operation. You can't see them with your eyes, neither can you feel them. Why? Because you need a special gadget to be able to access it. Are you following me? For instance, I'm speaking through a microphone, which is a wireless microphone, and it's not connected to the speakers. But you can hear me through the speakers, right? You can hear me through the, the TV, through the radio, through the live stream, and so on and so forth. How did that happen? Something has been connected. A frequency has been connected. So you can be at the place of grace and still not benefit from grace. And I've seen many people, many, many, many people. They come and cry, oh God, help me. God is looking and saying, I've already helped you. Everything you'll ever need is already available. 
There is nothing you will ever need in this world that God has not already made available for you. God has given you power now to, to be able to access those things. Everything you will ever need, you already have. But the mistakes many people make is that they are in a place of grace, but they are not accessing grace. So John chapter 5 from verse 2 I read. It says now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew town Bethsaida having five porches meaning grace. And in this lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Can you, can you imagine they are at the place of grace and they are waiting for the moving of the water. Your healing was made available for you 2,000 years ago when Jesus died. Why are you now waiting for a prophet or someone, your, your pastor, to prophesy it over you? You have the same power as me. You have the same power as me. I don't have a special power. I'm a child of God. You are a child of God. Why are you waiting for somebody to stare the water and say, I'm waiting for pastor to come and preach a powerful message on healing, on miracle. Oh, I'm waiting for healing school. No, you can access your healing now. They were at the place of grace, but they never made good use of grace. Can I say this? There is no lack in the kingdom of God. No lack. And no child of God is permitted to lack. There is no lack in the kingdom of God and no child of the kingdom is permitted to lack. Do you know the queen's head is on the British pound? Is that true? Do you think when the queen is going to buy something, she carries money on her? She doesn't buy anything. She owns everything. Do you, do you know? She owns everything. And you are a child of the kingdom. Bring it home. Everything you will ever need, provision has already been made for Amen. you. Amen. This will blow your mind. This will blow your mind. How many of you remember when Judas betrayed Jesus? How much did he sell Jesus for? 30 pieces of what? Now, did the Bible ever say Judas used that money? No. What did he do with the money? Where did, what did he do with the money? He threw it where? He went and threw it. Now let me tell you where he threw the money. He threw it into the church. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He threw that money back into the church. Theologians have not been able to discover where that money is. 
that money was, has been thrown back into the church because it's church money. That's why the Bible says, I'll give you houses you did not build because it's already been paid for. Oh, thank you. Your house has already been paid for. Your degree has already been paid for. God said, I will give you cities you did not build. Now, why? It takes money to build city, right? It takes money to build houses, right? Now, what the Bible is saying is because is that the, the, the money you already need to buy these things has been made available by Judas. When Judas sold Jesus, that money was paid back to the church. And so you have access now. When you come into the house of God, you come before God and say, Father, thank you for paying my debt for me. Why do you think the same Jesus who paid the debt for your healing cannot pay the debt for your house? He said, oh, come by without money. How does that happen? Because the money we already need to pay for has been paid for by Judas. Oh God, when is this? That's why everything we do in this church is faith. 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 Going on TV, faith. Buying equipment, faith. Hosting men and women of God of great repute, faith. We don't do anything in this church with money because it's already been paid for. Are you getting this? Why are you struggling? In a place of grace where grace has already been made available for you. Grace has already been made available for you. John chapter 5, let's go back to John chapter 5. Verse 3, the Bible says, In this lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Your days of waiting are over. Amen. I said your days of waiting are over. Amen. It said, For an angel went down at a certain season in the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, steps into this was made whole, of whatsoever disease they had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. 38 years. 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Say, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another step down before me. This is the problem in the church. Blame, blame, blame. I have no one to help me. <laughs> Do you want to be healed? I have no one to pray for me. Do you want to prosper? I don't have money. The principle of prosperity in the kingdom of God is simple. Give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Shall God cause men to give back into your bosom? It's as simple as that. Are you following what I'm saying? 
It's a simple, the scripture we read in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 during the tithes and offering, it says, bring all the tithes into my storehouse so that there may be meat in my house and I will open you. God opens you first before he opens the windows of heaven. If you are not opened, you can't have access to the windows of heaven. Have you noticed people who win the lottery within five years, all the money is gone because they have not been opened. If you are not open, you can't access abundance. And the opening comes through the renewing of your mind. Until your mind is renewed, you cannot handle certain realms of wealth. It will destroy you. They're waiting. 38 years, Jesus said, would you be made whole? I have no one. Do you want to prosper? I don't know how. We've been, we, you've been taught. In this church, you've been taught how to prosper. You've been taught. If they are not tithing, you can't prosper. You've been taught. You see, I don't, you see, the devil will deceive you and say, um, uh, if you give, you'll be poor. No. In the kingdom of God, when you give, you prosper. Every time we have an opportunity, we sow because we know where God is taking us. Listen, don't, you, you see, there are three levels of sowing. Sowing up, sowing on the same level, and sowing down, which we do as a church. You see, in, in, um, in March, we fed the community, did stuff, that's sowing down. In Easter, we fed 10,000, that is sowing down, right? And then we sow on our level. We give to ministries that are on our level. There are ministries that have had challenges with, with you know, building stuff. They are building you know, the bidders have been taken away from them. We've paid their rent and they have gone back into buildings. They're sowing on the same level. But then also, we sow up. Sowing up is we tithe into other higher ministries because we want to get there. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, if you are a small river, and a big river is coming to flow into you, you have to have strong structures. If your structures are not strong, when the big river begins to flow into you, it will break your banks. Are you getting this? This is very important. So, if you want to prosper, you've been taught. You've been taught. If you want to be healed, you've been taught. If you want to love, you've been taught in this church. If you want to praise, you've been taught. If you want to pray, you have been taught. There is nothing you have not been taught. So stop giving excuses. I have no one. Yes, you have been taught how to. That's the purpose of the church. For you to be equipped, you've been taught. Stop memory, stop complaining. I don't know how. No, you have already been taught. The problem is you have not applied what you have been taught. 
You have not applied what you have been taught. Weekday, Sunday, weekday, Sunday, you have not applied it. That is why you are not seeing results. Jesus said to, to we'll quickly jump there and we'll come back to John chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, Peter told all night from verse 1. He told all night, caught nothing. The Bible says from verse 1, Luke chapter 5 from verse 1. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed unto him to hear the word of the Lord, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret to preach. Verse 2. And he saw two sheep standing by the lake, and the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets because their business was collapsing. Nothing was happening. Verse 3, the Bible says that, and he entered into one of the sheep, which was Simon's Peter, and prayed him that he would thrust a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the sheep. Verse 4, the Bible says that now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon Peter, launch out into the deep. In other words, do the word. Do the word. Do the word. Launch out into the deep. Do the word. You have been a surface Christian for too long. It's time to go deeper. It's time to expand deeper. This church is going to expand in unreasonable dimensions. I'm telling you, we are in a season of multiplication. It's a season of multiplication. It's a season of harvest. But for that to happen, we have to launch out into the deep. If you want the same results, do the same things. But if you want a different results, change the way you've been doing things. Jesus said, launch out into the deep and let down the nets. The nets. Plural. The nets. For a drought. And look at the next thing Peter did. Peter answered and said, Master, we have told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down my Have you noticed that at every stage where God will take you to the next level, the devil will introduce a lie. You did it yesterday. It didn't work. I told last month it didn't work. Today is a new day. It's a different season. It's a new season. God is doing something new. Can you trust this new God to do something new in your life? He said, we have told all night and caught nothing. But I love Peter's response. He said, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Not nets. Jesus said nets. Peter said net. He limited God even there. Verse 6 is very important. Verse 6 is the critical matter of this whole subject. The Bible says, and when they had this done, you've been taught, are you doing it? When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of what? Fishes. You only get the results when you do the word. I'm not getting results because you haven't done the word. Oh, nothing is happening. You have not done the word. The word works all the time. 
The same word worked for God. How can it not work for you and I? Why are you blaming God? Leave God out of this. It's your own matter. Do the word. Do the word and leave the rest to him. God says, give. Say, oh God, if I give, I'll be poor. God says, be there. Jesus said, except a corn of grain falls to the ground and die, it abides alone. You want a harvest, you have to plant. Yeah. A farmer cannot take the seed and when he's sowing time, look at the seed. Uh, oh, these are nice seeds. Oh, beautiful seed. Oh, praise the Lord. I cannot sow this seed. I don't want this seed to be dirty. I don't want this seed to see dead. Well, the seed will remain the same forever. If you want to see a harvest, the seed is got to be dirty. It's got to have contact with the soil, with the sun, before it can flourish. Why are you reasoning God out? Why are you risk the most the most most breakthroughs we've had in our lives is when God comes and said, sow this. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. God says, sow this. And then the moment we sow, harvest is on the way. God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Listen, solution. Just do the word. Stop reasoning God out. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. Let me hear a good amen. Amen. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. There is no lack of fishes in the sea. How can you say you went to the sea and caught no fish? How can you say you toil all night and caught nothing? Because we have not understood how the kingdom of God operates. The kingdom of God is not in what you say, it's in what you do. After they are done, they enclose a great multitude of fishes. And the next verse, the Bible says that, and their net began to break. Will you not be happy to come into that season where you are calling others to come and help you, help you rejoice? Help you harvest the breakthrough. That's the season we are coming to. Let's go back to John chapter 5. Verse 7. The important man answered him and said, Say, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But when I'm coming, another step down before me. Verse 6, verse 8. The Bible said, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, notice there was no stirring of the water here. But Jesus said what? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. You have to do. You have to do. Now, you see, this is the misconception of grace. The misconception of grace in the kingdom of God is they teach you, those who teach on grace, they say, oh, in the dispensation of grace, you don't have to do anything. That's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of the devil. Even salvation, you have to do something. You have to believe before you can be saved. Believing is doing. 
Are you following what I'm saying? Believing is doing. If you don't believe, you cannot be saved. So if somebody tells you, oh, uh, uh, because we're in the dispensation of grace, you don't have to do anything, that is a lie. That is a lie. It's like saying, oh, I don't have to work and then I will get money. No, that's a lie. You have to go to work. You have to work. Working is doing something. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Paul said, let me show you something. Are you getting something out of this? Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Listen, he's talking about grace. He said, this grace was not in vain. This grace that has been given unto me, I did not waste it. Next thing he said is, he said, but I labored more abundantly. What is labor? Labor is work. He's talking about grace, but he said, I still work how? More. I do more work. Yes, I I know there is grace. Yes, I believe there is grace. Yes, I believe in the efficacy of grace. I believe in what Jesus did on the cross for me 2,000 years ago. I believe it, yes. But if I want to be healed, I have to believe what he did for me on the cross. He said, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. So there is grace, yes, but we still labor more. So that grace can be effective in our labor. There is grace, yes, but we still labor more so that we can access the fullness of this grace in our labor. Let nobody deceive you and say, oh, uh, grace, we're in the dispensation of grace, so we don't do anything. Hey, you die. You You say, oh, uh, there's dispensation of grace. I'm thirsty for water. I'm thirsty for water. So um, you've walked on the desert for two hours, and you're thirsty for water, and then you go and you see water, and then you start saying, I believe if I drink this water, I will not die. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe if I drink this water, I'll not die. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe if I drink this water, I'll not die. In Jesus' name, amen. You're getting weaker and weaker. I believe if I drink this water, in the name of Jesus, I'll not die. Amen. I believe if I drink this water, in the name of Jesus, I'll not die. Amen. I believe if I drink this water in the name of Jesus, I'll not die. Amen. I believe if I drink oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Where are you now? You are dead. The water is still there. You have to do. 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 Yes, you believe, but you have to do what? Praise God. Yes. Are you following what I'm saying? Yes. I believe. 
you will be there forever. You die. Anyone teaching you in the dispensation of grace to don't do anything is a lie from the pit of hell. The gospel is not an easy gospel. Yes, you believe, but now you have to do. Do what you believe. Do what you believe. Amen? So Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Jesus is grace, but Jesus tells this man, rise, take up your bed. John chapter 5, verse 8, take up your bed, walk. Verse 9, the Bible says, immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. On the same day was the Sabbath. Immediately. Did you, know, did you notice there was no angel to stir the waters? Did you notice that? But Jesus just said, take up your bed and walk. And he did and he walked. That's why I've said, everything you'll ever need is there. Don't wait for somebody to come and do gymnastics. I tell you, a time is coming in this church. We don't have to have a time for offering. I believe it so strongly. We don't have to have a time for offering. Nobody has to come and encourage you, read a scripture, it's time. No, you understand what God has done for you. You come in that understanding and you give. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's stop all these lies in the church. Nobody has to encourage you to give. You, you come to a point of maturity where you know what God has done for you is much more than the money that you have. All the money you are saving, what if God forbid you die tomorrow? Who is going to spend it? The devil will be rejoicing on your lot. I'd rather give it to God. I'd rather give it to the expansion of the kingdom. And we're coming into that season where we want the whole of this area to hear the gospel. Look at what we've been doing in this church. Feeding 10,000, no offering was raised. Reaching the community, no offering is raised. Building, I mean, building churches in India, 10 churches, I think last year or two years ago. No offering was raised. Come on now. On TV, no offering is raised. Just sit down, if for nothing, just sit down and ask, how much did I give yesterday when I came to church? Is it my one pound that is making this work? No, I, listen, we have, we have, we have a covenant. I understand how the system works. Something is working here. Are you following what I'm saying? It's working here. So connect with what is working. Quickly, let's look at some modern day misconceptions of grace and we'll close. There are five of them. We'll close. Number one is I don't have to do anything. Number one misconception of grace is I don't have to do anything. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10, we've just read it. They say, I don't have to do anything. That's a lie, oh. You have to do something. 
He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they are. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So you see, Paul was operating in grace, yet he still have to do. He still have to work. Number two, I don't have to pray. I'm in the dispensation of grace, so I don't have to pray. That's a lie. That's another lie. Matthew chapter 6, from verse 5 to 13. Matthew chapter 6, from verse 5 to 13. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, and when you pray, not if, when, and when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when you prayest, enter into the closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee how openly. But when you pray, can you see Jesus was keep emphasizing, but when you pray, when you pray, use no vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. It's not in the much speaking. But be, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Now this is important. Your father knows already what you need before you ask, but he still expects you to pray. You cannot take this out of context and say, oh, because God knows what I need, I don't have to pray. No, you have to still pray. Jesus said several times, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, he said, and then verse 9, he said, after this manner, therefore pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, if you need daily bread, that means it's daily prayer. Daily bread means daily prayer. How many of you eat every day? Do you eat every day? So, daily bread means what? Daily prayer. So, don't let anybody deceive you and say, oh, we are under the dispensation of grace, so we don't have to pray. Say, if you don't don't pray, it's okay. It's a lie. It's a lie. Prayer is the only communication we have between us and God. Number three, I don't have to fast. The third misconception of grace is I don't have to fast. Mm. Now hear me, fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 to 15. Are you getting something out of this? I don't have to fast. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 to 15. Listen carefully. This is Jesus. Then came him, the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? Hmm. (laughs) And Jesus said unto them, 
Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them and they shall fast. Say amen. Amen. So fasting will not kill you. Fasting is good for you. Say amen. Amen. I said fasting is good for you. Say amen. Amen. Pastor, uh, 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 my stomach is telling me when I fast, it's talking to me. Yeah, your stomach will talk to you, but still talk to your stomach and say, today is day of fasting. So we've seen three misconceptions so far. Let's look at the fourth misconception of grace. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to tithe. I'm under grace, so I don't have to tithe. That's a lie, oh. The only thing that opens the windows of heaven is tithe. (laughs) The only thing that opens the windows of heaven is what? Is the tithe. Not prayer, not fasting, not gymnastics, not rolling on the floor, not rolling on the beach, not drinking oil, not oil being poured on you, not bathing in the sea. It doesn't open the windows of heaven. The only thing that opens the windows of heaven is the tithe. God is a God of principle. Matthew 23, verse 23. Now, Matthew chapter 23 is a very powerful scripture, chapter. It's a chapter where Jesus vent all his anger. If you want to see where all Jesus' anger is, it's in Matthew 23. That's where you see all his woe. Woe on you, you Pharisees. Woe, woe. That's where you see all the woes and all the, all the anger of Jesus. Matthew 23. Now look at verse 23 carefully. This is powerful. It said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe. You see his woe, one of his woe. He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of law, of judgment and mercy and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other, which is the other, the tithe, undone. So many people say, ah, we are in the dispensation of grace. The tithe, tithe was under the law. Tithe was not under the law. The tithe was there before the law came. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 7 to 8. Let's look at that quickly. It says, without all controversy, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 7 to 8 and 9, I think. It says, without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Did you see that? Very important. Verse 8. It says, here, men that die receive what? Receive what? Receive what? Receive what? But there he does what? So he's talking about the tithe. He said here, 
Men who die receive what? So when you come to the church, we are the men who die. Is that true? We receive what? The tithe. Now look at this carefully. It says, and here men that die receive tithes. But there, talking about heaven, it says, but there he receiveth them. So every time we are receiving the tithe here on earth, Jesus is receiving the same tithe here in heaven. Every time you bring your tithe, heaven is also receiving your tithe. It says, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that liveth. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So you see, once you are bringing your tithe, heaven is recording it. Once you're supposed to pay a hundred pounds tithe and you pay 90 pounds, heaven has recorded. Today you stole 10 pounds from God. (laughs) Once you're supposed to pay your tithe, of 10,000 pounds. I say, ah, 10,000? Let me calculate it to my, my, my naira or shillings or kwacha or what? What else? Rants. It's a lot of money. And then you say, God, God ah, this is too much. God, take one percent. One percent goes there. Five percent go to my project. Two percent go there. But there he received them of whom it is witnessed. Witnessed. Witnessed that he liveth. So everything you are giving here, even if you don't write it on the envelope, he's witnessing it. The purpose of the envelope is only for administrative purposes in this part of the world. So we can be an accountable church because every year we have to do our account, annual account. And if you don't write your name and your amount there, the accountant who is doing the account is not a seer or a prophet to know that it's you who put that money in there. And they will not be able to account appropriately. Are you following me? We do that just for administrative purposes. And also for your information, it helps you in your taxes. Are you following what I'm saying? When you tithe, it helps you in your taxes. Ah, you share that testimony. Maybe we need to get you to share that testimony maybe next week. No, next week, the week after. Please remind me. She, 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 she has a company and she tithes on her company. Is that right? And, and according to her, when she does her tax, what do you do? Tax something? Tax returns. At the end of every year, they give her back more allowance in her tax, personal tax or whatever they call it. Are you following what I'm saying? So every time you tithe, you are actually not going broke. You are getting back. You are not getting this. You are not going broke. You are actually getting better. Because when the church does the account and send it off, it is registered. Are you following what I'm saying? It is registered that you have given so much out of your earnings to charity. So at the end of the day, 
the tax man gives you, increases your personal tax allowance. But if your giving is less, nothing moves. That's why the Bible says, to him, to whom much is given, much is required. So you don't lose in this kingdom. That's the fourth misconception of grace. The last one, the fifth one, and we'll close, is I can sin and be forgiven. I can sin and be forgiven. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Are you getting something out of this? I can sin and be forgiven. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? With a big question mark. It says, no, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? When we teach on grace, most of the time people say, ah, it's a license to sin. No, you don't need a license to sin. The thing is, you're already sinning. You're already sinning. So, but the Bible is saying that, how can we, how can we, how can we, who are dead to sin, live in sin? Shall we continue to sin? No, God forbid. Shall we continue to sin and say, grace abounds? No, it doesn't work that way. These are the misconceptions of grace. Hallelujah. And there's more to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a better praise. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10, 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations.